0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. The White House has lifted restrictions on short term health insurance plans. Under the Affordable Care Act, these plans were meant to be a stopgap measure to allow consumers time to find insurance plans that work for them and were limited to three months. But that time restriction has been expanded to one year with the possibility of renewal for two more years. President Trump says short-term, limited-duration insurance could help millions of people who don't want or need comprehensive coverage. Critics say that bare-bones policies won't adequately cover people with unexpected medical needs and will further destabilize the insurance markets. With more on this, we are joined here in studio by Atul Gupta, who's an assistant professor in the healthcare management department here at the Wharton School, and also by Rob Field, professor of law and professor of health management at Drexel University, and also a lecturer in Wharton's health management department. Nice seeing you both. Thank you for
1: coming in. Good morning. Thanks for having us.
0: Thanks. This idea of short-term insurance, it's, it's saying, Rob, that it's being designed to save money for consumers. But again, what's being offered seemingly is a concern here for anybody that might be thinking
2: about this as an option. Sure. Uh, This is an extreme case of let the buyer beware. Uh, These policies are all over the map. Some of them are legitimate coverage, but many of them have serious restrictions, Uh, upper limits on what they'll pay each year, huge deductibles, uh, limits on the services that they cover. The majority don't even cover prescription drugs. Uh, So, yeah, they're cheaper, uh, but you're getting what you pay for.
0: What was really, I guess, going back a tool in time, the need to have these these short-term plans in place in the first place.
1: So these have been around since the late 90s, and I think the original reason was to allow people an option for affordable insurance uh, if they're in between jobs and they have to buy insurance on their own without the benefit of a large group.
0: So then these plans coming forward, they've had a presence. They haven't really been talked about a lot, though, in terms of the media.
1: Yeah, it's it's actually funny to to hear some of the commentary now because these plans have been around and only in late 2016, they were actually allowed for up to a year until late 2016 mm-hmm. when the Obama administration actually uh, reduced it to three months because they were worried that uh, these were eating up into, they were sort of cannibalizing the exchange insurance plans, which were obviously much better. And, uh, and so now the rule's gone back to a year.
0: So the expectation then is that these plans will give people other options. What are the are are there good pieces to
2: it that you see, Rob? Obviously, there's a lot of concerns on on the bad pieces as well. It could be a good thing if these plans were thoroughly regulated. And a few states have tried to regulate them, but most states don't. Uh, So uh, if you want to save money on a car, uh, get one without a steering wheel. (laughs) <laughs> or, or, or without headlights. Uh, you, 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 you would still own a car. It, it might not be very good for transportation. Uh, and it's the same thing here. You, you would have insurance, but it might not be very good for covering you if you got sick. Uh, so these plans could provide an option, but uh, the structure of the ACA was to provide that regulatory framework so that mm-hmm. you knew you were getting something of value. And there's a serious risk that a lot of people will think they're getting something of value and won't be. So then what do you think think the impact will be uh, uh, of having more of a
0: potential presence of these short-term insurance plans, along with, obviously, the
2: the, the ACA of whatever level it is at this point. Yeah, I, I could see it going to one of two ways. Um, one is that it would attract a lot of healthy people who want to have coverage and are not eligible for subsidies under the ACA and see themselves saving a lot of money. Uh, the other is that a lot of people who would have been attracted to these plans may not be because the penalty for going uninsured uh, goes away in 2019. Uh, So they might have been a way uh, to get around that penalty, uh, although the strict rules of the ACA would not allow that. Uh, But now that you don't have to have any kind of coverage, they may not be as attractive as uh, the administration thinks they'll be.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree with what Rob said. The only thing I would add is I actually think the impact of this is going to be very limited. In the grand scheme of things, because, uh, like Rob said, these plans are attractive only to people who uh, don't have subsidized insurance on the exchanges. Right. Because for them, the subsidized insurance is much cheaper than these half-hearted plans, which they don't even know what they'll offer.
0: How many people do you think we're talking about that that could be even a a potential that would want to look at these plans at this point?
1: So I think the numbers right now it's something like hundred and sixty thousand who have these sorts of short term plans, and and their own projections say something like a million, a million and a half. So it's we're not talking about big numbers here.
0: So then, then I guess the question is, why the changes? Do you think bringing these forward just to continue this this story, this narrative of trying to tear down the Affordable Care Act by by this administration?
1: I think there's definitely some. They feel some pressure to do something. Uh, And this allows them to say that they've done something. Right. Um, And like I said, it's something that's on the margin. So I don't think it's going to move the needle much. I think most people who will come in will actually be people who would have otherwise gone uninsured.
2: Right. Rob, yeah, um, I, I think it's part of the strategy of death by a thousand cuts, and this is, uh, as the tool was saying, a relatively minor cut. But you put this in the context of some of the other damage that's been done, and it, it's cumulative. Um, if you look at many of the things, the, the association health plans, for instance, that that were enabled uh, a month or two ago, um, and the the end of uh, certain kinds of subsidies uh, and threats to to reinsurance and and to risk sharing, Um, they all serve to try to spook the insurers, uh, make it more likely that they won't want to stay in the markets, make it more likely that they will raise rates uh, and destabilize the ACA that way. Uh, So I think standing alone. This is minor damage
0: what do you think that, i mean what 's the reaction of the insurance
2: companies to to having these plans yeah they 're not thrilled about it uh they 've actually been doing well recently selling Obamacare plans uh, A lot of companies are reentering the market uh, rate increases are much less than they had been, and in a couple of states are actually average rates are actually coming down mm-hmm. uh, so they are not supportive of this at all that 's all.
1: Uh, I think it's a little bit more mixed than that. I mean, for example, United, which is not in the Obamacare exchanges, is pretty happy and supported the introduction of these short-term plans uh, up to a year. Um, I think overall it's true that uh, insurers and especially providers don't want these kinds of plans because in the past there have been lots of issues with you know people buy these insurance plans. They don't do their research. Yeah. It turns out that the insurance doesn't cover what they think it does. And then there's all kinds of lawsuits.
0: And you bring up a great point is the fact that realistically, I would say a majority of Americans probably don't know all of what their health insurance plan covers to begin with. And so now you're going into a situation where somebody who may be in need of a short term plan uh, has to do a lot of work to actually see what is what is involved in this potential plan that they might be bringing
1: that no that's absolutely true i think the but we should not um, t- make this bigger than it is in the sense that these plans already exist so right. there are people out there who are already buying these short term plans uh, it's it's now that they can buy them for up to a year so there are people already who are do, who are doing this kind of research i think pre aca this was a huge problem these kinds of plans are not good plans to have pre aca because there was no option for people but now in the presence of exchange plans if you buy this plan, something goes wrong, you get diagnosed with a really bad disease. You know, it's it's only a matter of time till this plan expires, and then you can buy an exchange plan. Right. So I think with the presence of the exchange plans as proper insurance, these plans are, you know, like you said, it's minor damage. Rob?
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think that... Uh, as, as you said, uh, once people get sick, uh, they will discover that they need real insurance. And they, now they may have to wait uh, until the next yeah. open enrollment. Right. Uh, so if you discover this in January, uh, you may not be able to get a policy till the next January. And that could be a risk if, if you have a serious condition. But it
0: sounds like that that people with pre-existing conditions may very well get, get locked out in, in terms of these plans, correct?
2: Yeah. Uh, they are not subject to any of the protections of the ACA, Including the guarantee that you can be covered regardless of how sick you are uh, and the guarantees that there won't be annual or lifetime maximums right. or uh, uh, severe limits on uh, on, on uh, rescission and, and so forth.
0: What about just paying the, uh, the co-pays? Uh, because that's, I, I think, maybe the most common view that people have of their health insurance is how much they would be paying on a copay when they go to visit the doctor or when they get a medicine from their from their local drugstore.
2: Yeah, again, it's a case of let the buyer beware, because yeah. uh, that's the front end, is how much you're going to have to pay. But the, these policies have a back end, which ACA policies do not, which is annual limits, uh, some of which are quite restrictive. Uh, so that's, that's the fine print that most consumers are not going to look at. That's all?
1: Yeah, I, I think... This is definitely buyer beware. And I think on the pre-existing conditions point, you know, people have to be very careful. If they have pre-existing conditions, this is completely the wrong path. Uh, you know, they have to stay in their exchange plans.
0: So, that, I mean, as you said, it doesn't feel like this is going to have a huge impact. But still, it is out there and and it is considered to be an option. And, of course, the, the administration is looking at it as a, quote-unquote, savings for people that that may not want to have the, these full plans. And I think in many cases, because maybe people don't fully understand what is all involved in their plans, they just look at the bottom line and they say, you know what, I'm going to do this because it's going to save me $50 a month, $75 a month, and my wallet may still be a little bit tight right now.
1: Yeah, no, that's, I mean, it's certainly true. It's, it's, I guess it's a philosophical issue. It's, you know, they've, they've added an option. Uh, People don't have to exercise this option. They can continue taking the exchange plans. Uh, and, you know, I think the, the the worry is that this administration may not uh, push insurers to make all the information available. I think that's the major concern. I think as long as insurers are forced by regulation to, to make, make all this information available to consumers in the right. sense that, you know, this insurance doesn't cover X, Y, Z. Uh, I think then, you know, as long as that's okay, then, you know, it's just another option which people are not forced to buy. So they can choose. They can just forego this and just continue on the exchange. Um, To look
2: at this a little bit broader… Uh, The individual insurance market has always been a challenge uh, for for health insurance. When you buy your coverage through your employer, you generally have a sophisticated bargaining agent who can deal with the companies and negotiate for decent coverage for a decent price. And if something goes wrong, you've got your HR department to go through. Uh, From the insurance company's point of view, they have one policy, one set of negotiation that will cover multiple employees, maybe thousands of them at once. Uh, Individual policies are much. Much more challenging. Right. Uh, you have to administer them uh, patient by patient. Um, people are more likely to get sick when they don't have employment coverage because people who are unemployed uh, are more are more likely to, to be ill. Uh, sometimes that's the reason that they were unemployed. So insurers have tried to avoid them in most states. What the ACA tried to do was rationalize this market to provide kind of a a bottom floor, the kind of guarantees that an an employer might be able to negotiate for you Uh and that you really are not in a position to negotiate on your own. These policies – these short, formally short-term now now medium-term policies yeah. are going back to the old days when the individual patient was on their own. Uh, it's very tough to read an insurance policy, even if you're an insurance lawyer. They, yeah. they a lot of them make uh, no sense. Yeah. Uh, so it is uh, putting us back into that tough situation that the ACA tried to rationalize.
0: So and then, how how important? You mentioned uh, the the states trying to regulate some of these plans. How important does do they become in this? entire process if, you know, obviously we're going to see these as, as, potentially a greater option
2: for some people. Yeah, I think the states uh, potentially are extremely important. Uh, they have always played a key role, but the individual market has always been a minor part of the health insurance market, uh, maybe 10 to 15 percent total. Uh, so they've tended to not give it as much attention uh, as other parts, as, as mainly the, the employer part. Uh, so um, if we're now going to see a substantial number of people in this market in unreal Regulated insurance, then absolutely the states are going to matter a lot, and your coverage may depend a lot on what state you live in. That's yeah, all?
1: no, that's totally uh, that's totally on the on the on the mark because um, so for example, you know some states like New York and Massachusetts they they impose community rating, uh, you know they they in some cases they impose guaranteed issues, so these kinds yeah. of policies will not be allowed in those states to begin with. Um, But other states are, you know, they're much more liberal. So I think you will see some sort of dichotomy or some sort of variation across states in what kinds of policies are on offer. My main concern is not so much with really sick people because most likely they will get rejected by these policies or the premium will be so high that they won't find them attractive. The, The concern really is for people who think they're very healthy and who look healthy, but then something goes wrong and then they become sick midway those are the folks who will get shafted by these policies. Um, and so if, if, you know, as Rob said, if, if you get sick in May and then you can only move to a proper insurance plan in December, yeah. that could be a very long six months. Rob?
2: Yeah. Uh, the other people at risk are the providers. Um, you may not realize uh, that you have a low limit uh, until you've blown through it, and at that point, if you've run up hospital bills or doctor bills, yeah. uh, you're going to have no way to pay them, and the provider is going to be left holding the bag. What does this mean for the medical community, for the for the doctors, for the hospitals?
0: What 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 is how does this impact them?
2: Yeah, uh, I, I I think that this is a risk. Uh, For the most part, the the hospitals have been supportive of the ACA, uh, particularly the Medicaid expansion. Uh, Physicians have been more mixed. uh, But I think for for some of them, uh, there is a risk uh, that they may provide services. And then after the fact, the patient discovers that they don't have coverage uh, and there's no way they can get paid.
1: Yeah. The only thing I would add to that is it depends to some extent on what kind of people take these plans. If it's people who would have otherwise gone uninsured, then in either case, you know, the the hospital would have been providing uncompensated care. If it's people who otherwise would have bought exchange plans yeah. and are now taking these plans, then it would be a hit to their bottom line.
0: What about something like uh, people that uh, you know need to get mental health counseling? The benefits surrounding that that area.
1: So there's a great deal of variation. Some plans cover it. Some plans don't. And, you know, I think people have to be careful. Again, it's buyer beware. So they yeah. really have to do their research before they buy these plans.
2: Rob? Yeah. Um, mental health is one area that's going to vary a lot. Uh, prescription drug coverage is another big one.
0: Well, that was going to be my next question, is that are we going to see with if people do buy these plans? Uh, it, I read in some cases that some prescription drugs may not be covered at all. Yeah. And I wonder whether or not you're going to see people having to go to generics,
2: in some cases, to fill in those holes, correct? Right. Well, it's not just some prescription drugs. Some of these plants just don't cover prescription drugs. Right. That's an add-on. Right. Uh, So I I think you are going to have people... um, at risk if they don't understand that, and at risk if they become ill, get a diagnosis in the middle of the year, and a prescription that they can't fill. Uh, generics may help with some of that, but um, uh, as we know from the debates over pharmaceutical pricing, not all drugs have generic copies, and the generics are not always so cheap.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, it's totally there's a lot of variation. You know, you have to do a lot of research. Uh, Personally, I wouldn't buy these kind of plans because the amount of research involved is 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 almost a bar that nobody can actually meet. Right. But but, you know, if you if you don't have the budget, you don't have the budget.
0: But I guess the other other thing potentially is while these are out there, we're also in a time where uh, when you look at the the employment numbers, we're seeing more and more people getting back into jobs and maybe there isn't going to be as much of a need to have People on these plans moving forward, if they are with the company, if they're getting right. you know sponsored health coverage from their from their employer, it's it's obviously those people that end up being between jobs or lose their job where this is going to be a potential option, correct?
1: Yeah, no. So I I think that this this thing is going to be a minor minor uh, intrusion into the equilibrium that we have right now. Like you said, uh, more people are getting employed in jobs that provide these benefits, so. Again, I think it's an additional option. I, I actually foresee very limited uptake of this, and mostly from people who otherwise would have gone uninsured. Yeah.
2: Rob? Uh, so we, we do have more people employed, which means more people with employer coverage. On the other hand, we do have an increasing number of smaller employers and mid-sized employers dropping coverage, saying they can't afford it. So uh, I'm not sure we're going to have that many fewer people uh, buying exchange plans. Uh, we saw the exchange plans were quite popular in the last uh, open enrollment period, yeah. so they're still gonna going to be a substantial number of people out there uh, who, who need this coverage. In,
0: in part because you do have more people working in, uh, in, in the quote-unquote gig, gig economy, right, which yeah. obviously you're not getting any insurance if you're working
2: in those jobs yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you're an Uber driver or Lyft driver, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, uh, that's going to be an issue.
1: Yeah. Um, I, actually, I think a bigger deal is something that Rob mentioned earlier, these association health plans. That, I think, will end up being a big deal if if small businesses really take those up. Uh, because right. I think under the terms of that, small businesses can band together and, and, and create insurance plans right. which do not meet the ACA standard. Uh, if that really becomes big, then I think that could become a big player.
0: But seemingly that is an idea that, that is, I mean, it's it's here, you know, to have companies kind of bonding together. We talk about, uh, you know, what uh, Jeff Bezos and Warren Buffett, they're trying to do surrounding healthcare. That's obviously on the large scale. Right. But a lot of companies that are maybe in the midsize could band together to try and, and do something like this, correct? Yeah,
1: it'll be interesting to see what shape that takes. Uh, if it's just... Um, if it's something about providing a benefit to their employees where they want to do some cost sharing, but the current exchange plans are too expensive for them, and they're just trying to fashion something that's a mid middle ground, I think it's okay. But if they're trying to band together and offer again these kind of cheap insurance plans, which are not really insurance, uh, that could actually become a big deal because uh, you know people tend to trust their employer-sponsored insurance, yeah. and uh, so if if your insurer, even if it's a small company, is offering you some plan. There, people will tend to do less research, and they might just take that.
2: um, Yeah. Um, What I think you'll see increasingly is a two-tiered system where the larger companies that need to recruit on a larger scale, that need highly skilled workers, are going to offer good, solid health insurance. Um, You see them doing this more and more. Uh, It's some of the smaller companies that might not have been able to offer it that will offer this instead. Uh, It's probably better than nothing but again you have employees who may find out that their covered yeah. expenses uh, were not covered. But really it, when you get down to it, if somebody's thinking about something
0: like this, it, it does have to be you said buyer beware. The people that are thinking about this do really, they need to research these things and they need to look into it, which is is a little bit of a change in
2: terms of the mindset we've had around health insurance to a degree. It, it, it definitely is and, and concerning that there was a discouraging uh, analysis in the New York Times recently, a uh, about all of the price information that's increasingly out there on medical services and how little it's used. Um, And, you know, we'll go to Best Buy and and look at a dozen TVs and see their prices and judge their quality (laughs) uh, or buying a car, something like that. Uh, But when your doctor says you need an MRI from this facility, it's a very unusual patient who's going to look around for something else. And I think the same is true for health insurance. People are going to look at a few factors. uh, What's the premium mainly? Yeah, um, Exactly. And, and maybe what's the deductible. Uh, and then uh, even though we technically have a market where you can choose, uh, very few people take advantage of that. Atul?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it, uh, so I, I think one, one thing that uh, I feel encouraged by is that this market already exists. It, that these people are already buying this product. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think people who are on the individual market are they tend to be more sophisticated than people who get insurance through their employer just because they have to be. Yeah. Uh and so maybe they are more more accustomed to to examining some of these parameters. But you know then again insurance is is fundamentally about risk and uncertainty and you know it's very difficult for people to project the probability of getting hit by a bus or or you know something really bad happening to you. And so You know, this is definitely going to lead to some cases where people uh, discover at some point in between that they need a better insurance coverage and they'll have to wait for a few months till they can actually get it.
0: Great having you both here. Thank you very much for coming in today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. Thanks, Rob.
1: For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton,
0: please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.